Well, hello, friends, and welcome to the dinner table. My name is Aislinn Campbell, and with me, of course, is my partner at the dinner table. Joe Hilliard. Hello, Joe. Hello. You made it back from your girls' weekend that we talked about last week. It was a chill weekend. We'll call it a little sabbatical. <laughs> I, had an, I had the intention while you were gone, but we didn't get there, because I ultimately didn't want to do it by myself, of putting up our Christmas tree. Yeah, I knew it wouldn't go up. I guess there has been a year, or maybe two, that we hadn't put it up? Remember? I don't know. I think even the year that we almost didn't put it up, I think we put it up at the last minute. Yeah. And when we do put it up, it's always like any kid that's in the house, we're putting up the tree. And right. da, 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 da. The kids stuff wasn't easy this year. No. They weren't together Not really outside of like lunchtime on Thanksgiving Day. I do like the Christmas tree. Yeah. I like the lights on the outside of the house. That's my most important preference okay. of Christmas stuff. I think that we can get that done by the end of the weekend then. Because we're going to push forward. Maybe we forward. need to downsize to a smaller Christmas tree because we have... Our Christmas tree is massive. It is very large. <laughs> like, it, it takes a it lot of ornaments. A lot of real it takes a lot of time to put all those things up. Like, what if we just got a Christmas tree that was just simpler, smaller, and just put our favorite ornaments on it? Is anybody in our house allergic to Christmas trees? I don't know the answer. I'm Maybe not. we just get like a small, real Christmas tree this year that has like an actual pot. And then we have a tree to plant. Well, it sounds like we have to have a like... conversation off air about this. When we're done, it's like, oh, we're going to move forward with the Christmas tree. We can put up what we have and spend no money. We could go spend some money on a new tree that's smaller that we may only have for one year. Or we could go buy a real tree. Those seem to be our options. Or sure. no tree, but I don't think anybody wants to go that route. The good news is my mom always has her house decorated with all the trees and everything. So we can count on the Christmas spirit there and we don't have to worry about it in our house that that's much. That's the thing is like, <laughs> how important is the Christmas spirit in a year that's a little weird to begin with? Do you do it just because tradition dictates that you do? Tradition doesn't dictate that I do. I had years that I didn't put up Christmas trees. Like a Charlie but Brown Christmas tree, two I, sprigs one year, of branch and a yeah. very heavy ornament. One year I did like a topiary tree. It was like a Dr. Seuss looking tree. And then one year I didn't do a tree and, and that was when my kids were little. My mom used to definitely call me Bah Humbug. I'm not, I don't feel Bah Humbug about it this year. I just... Less kids around? Yeah, I don't know. And it just like has snuck up on it and we didn't get it put up on Thanksgiving. So I here we are. I think that we power through and do it. Okay. The other interesting thing about me as it relates to the timing of this year, this timing of year is that all I care about right now is planting yeah, plants. I know. And tending my garden and harvesting. Yeah. And then doing something with all the stuff I've harvested, including you cooking it, but us putting it away or yeah. selling it or whatever. And I'm like, I ain't got time to do Christmas. <laughs> Who's got time for Christmas? A few keystrokes at the computer and I'm done shopping. And <laughs> right. yeah. Okay, so we are moving forward with the Christmas tree. I'll even push it through if you're feeling a little, you know, blase about it. I'm definitely blase about it. You, My preference of thing that is the most important is that we would get some lights put up on the house really sure. quick. Done. <laughs> There's an unanswered question from last week. I think we move right into it. Ooh. Unanswered questions. I hope we wrap up Thanksgiving by finally answering a question <laughs> this week. You gave me a, an assignment last week. Listen, ultimately what it comes down to is I want to know that I'm right about what happened with Thanksgiving and the shift in, in the industrial can processed foods that we eat all over our Thanksgiving table. 
If there is a perfect internet article to answer that question, I could not find it. There is a lot of historical perspective on the evolution of the Thanksgiving meal in America, but that chapter is not written. I found this. <laughs> the green bean casserole as we know it uh -huh. was invented in 1955 on a Campbell's soup uh -huh. can. I thought it was a Campbell's soup originally. Mm -hmm. Cream yes. Of, cream of mushroom soup. Uh-huh. And I did say 1955. I said late 50s sure. is when it went to the can. Sure. 1959. Uh -huh. Yeah. So you had your big girls weekend this past weekend. And I know that one of the things we talked about last week about it was that I helped you prepare some foods to take. One of the things about this trip is that food and eating is a huge part of it. It's a very interesting, like a bunch of grown women giving themselves everything they want. <laughs> like I spent a lot of time at the river. A lot of the other girls didn't, but it was cold. It was really cold, freezing cold. I mean, I know that river now well, because uh -huh. I've been going to it for a long time. Oh, and it's so interesting to look at it after those massive floods, those mm -hmm. years, this like tore up everything. Yeah, some news making floods that tore that town apart like the thousand year flood. And so seeing the stumps from the trees and then seeing the trees that are growing back and then seeing the trees that like have literally turned completely sideways, the roots are showing, but the tree actually is still green and yeah. it's growing in a different direction now. Uh -huh. So beautiful. The water was so beautiful and it was so nice to be cold and wrapped up all warm and then the sun would come out. I just loved it. I love it. I love it there. That's my place. Because I always kind of create places in meditation in my mind. And sometimes it's my gardens and, you know, and the butterflies and the flowers and all the things that you think about in a visualization meditation. But that space is that for anyone. The trickling of the water and the sun, the way the sun sets and sparkles on the water and just all of that. And so I spent a lot of literal silent time sitting on a rock in the middle of the river. Yes, in the middle of the river. I found my little sneaky way to get over to it. That was really nice. And so we eat all weekend and it's kind of this like everybody brings something to the table kind of concept. Mm -hmm. And because I was going to be there two more nights than everyone else, I figured, yeah, I better throw in a meal here. Thank you for cooking for me. And it was fantastic. And I ate it three times, I think. Roast. We've talked that's the roasts that have come out of this kitchen. It was a good roast. It's it was still a little dry in some parts. Was it? Yes, but Damn. other but the parts where there was like big nice chunks of did like you fatty re, did stuff. Did you reheat it? Several times. Okay. Well, it was did reheated. Did that contribute to the dry? Uh, I think no, actually I think it got better oh, at, okay. with each, you know, as it yeah. kind of sogged down into the mm -hmm. juices and everything like that. I will tell you the thing that often disappoints us with the roast the way you do the roast, the potatoes and the carrots, the potatoes just don't have any flavor. Yeah. They're just dirt. They taste like I'm eating dirt, you know? Oh, well, lovely. <laughs> it's not giving you the flavor pop that you're looking for. Yeah, it's not. And especially not when you also served it with mashed potatoes. Sure. Mashed I just threw in those it. in there so you had food, basically, you know? Oh, yeah, totally. But the mashed potatoes, you take a little more care and deliberation to put the flavor in. They were it. delicious. And we ate all of those. I think like, this is the third or fourth the... episode that we've talked about turnip <laughs> garlic mashed potatoes really in a row. I love them. And they're so beautiful. And I don't under, I don't think people understand what they're missing out on. I'm telling you, you, you have right now, in your life? go eat turnips. I'm telling you, y'all. take a bite of it like an apple. No, don't do that because that'll turn you off. But go get some turnips and start with a simple turnip mashed potato situation. I told you I was going to cook tonight 
and you had a bowl of turnips. Yes. And I said, find me a recipe. I sent you a, a like an au gratin type of thing. Turnips au gratin. Yes. We're having that tonight. With the green beans, the Asian green beans. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yay. Might be a late dinner, but we'll get there. Oh, what's new? So you made this huge pot of green beans with my green beans that I grew, and they were delicious. We they ate really off were. of it that night, mm-hmm. and then you took the rest of them on your trip. You know, they were perfectly cooked, mm-hmm. but reheating them... Again and again. Yeah. Puts a little more it, sog into them. But they were so good. They were so delicious. Flavor was there. Tell, tell, us, tell us how you make those, because I, I, I think that's important. I get bacon. And I put it on a low heat so that I'm trying to render the fat out. Juice the bacon in the pot, if you will. Then when I've got a good oil base of bacon grease, I throw in my sliced onions and garlic. Then I put in my broth and boil all of that together for a little while. Then I put my, and I say broth, I'm talking about the chicken stock that we create. Mm -hmm. Then I put the green beans in. Then I just use salt. Then after they've cooked for 30 minutes, and if you're around, I say, go taste, not the green beans, they're not done yet, but the juice, Mm -hmm. the flavor envelope Mm -hmm. that the green beans are cooking in. And they were so good. Very basic recipe, but you do have to watch it to make sure they don't get overdone. They're fresh, young, stringless beans. You just chop the ends of them off. And I think that that's really important because sometimes people get scared of green beans from like the farmer's market or buying them even fresh from the grocery store. And as long as you're buying stringless green beans, they're very easy to prepare. You literally just pop off the ends. And the really fresh, nice ones, you only have to pop off the end that actually has the vine, like the the, the stem connected to it. The Mm -hmm. other end is still nice. Yeah. So that's been nice to have all those green beans. And green beans are a mother freaking pain in the ass to grow and pick and deal with. But for me, for my own consumption, I love fresh green beans. Yeah. I love to eat them. So I'll grow enough to put some back for us to have. And then, you know. So. Okay, so the Asian green beans you're asking me to make tonight, again, we talked about it last week, will be those P.F. Chang copycat green beans. Mm. Okay, so that and the turnips au gratin. Yes. And you can figure out Do something, something with a piece of meat and we're good to go. Exactly, exactly. And then one more thing before I headed out the door, you boiled some of the eggs from the backyard, from our backyard chickens. I made a dozen deviled eggs, mm-hmm. or I made... A half dozen cut in half makes a dozen deviled <laughs> eggs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. so I knew where you were going. And it was a, that was very simple. And they were beautiful. Is a deviled egg two pieces or is a half of an egg with the deviled egg filling a deviled egg? I think, I think that's the deviled egg. So you took a dozen deviled eggs. I took six which deviled are eggs. Six eggs cut in half. Yeah. <laughs> deviled egg math. I was telling the girls about how you make such good eggs that your eggs are perfect for making deviled eggs with. And then we started talking about how does how does everybody boil their eggs? You ask 10 people, you'll get 10 answers. But yours is the answer. Tell people. I'd be glad to. I take <laughs> my pot and I fill it with water and then I take a pinch of baking soda. I can't tell you how much baking soda. It's a pinch. A pinch. Baking soda is the answer, I hear. Then when the water is boiling, with a slotted spoon, I gently lower. I usually do them a half dozen at a time the eggs into the water. Then I set a timer for 15 minutes. Then when my timer goes off, I use the same slotted spoon to put them into a new bowl. I cover them in ice, fill that with water, stopping the cooking process immediately at that point. Uh Put them into a new bowl when they're dry and stick them in the refrigerator. Yes. The shells come right off. They do. That's the point of the baking soda. Yes. And 
for deviled eggs and for those of you that like a really hard boiled egg, yours are hard boiled. So when you're making the deviled egg part of it, it's really nice because it's got the nice hard shell and then it's got some really well done yolk. When you, you just said hard, a nice hard shell, you're the, talking about the white. The, the white, the the white of the egg. Yeah. What's that part called? The white, the of, white the of the egg. The white of the egg. Well, it's really firm and nice and it makes a good deviled egg. And I just did mustard seed and then I believe I used my pizza salt and mayonnaise. Because it, it had little uh, poppy seeds in it, it looks like. Uh-huh. But those are the mustard seeds. Uh-huh. Oh, and yeah. it was, they were pretty and they had the mustard flavor, but the yellow was not mustard. It was... Just the yolk. The yolk. Exactly. And they were delicious. I ate a lot of those. I ate probably more than my fair share of them. <laughs> so I, I should make more and like have them around a little bit here and there because they're fun. They're I like delicious. to pop a deviled egg if I walk past them. I love deviled eggs. Crudite. Yeah. So, and then the girls brought some things and then of course we ate out as well. Well, we ate out at one place that I eat out every time I go to San Marcos. Jessica asked me, well, what kind of food do they have? I was like, um, it's like seasonal American fare, basically. And they also have beer and wine. And that sold her on the, uh, <laughs> that sold us both on yeah. running over there for lunch. Because everything's all COVID-y, you know? And we're all sitting outside because we can't sit inside. And they've got a pared down menu. And nobody can come inside the restaurant. Yeah. I ended up ordering roasted kale, two fried eggs, and this like quinoa stuff uh -huh. and it was perfect it was so good that kale rosa kale was amazing the other place that we always go to and i think that this is an interesting story because we didn't actually go last year and my diet is a lot more strict now than it was back then and i've always been kind of strict about my diet everybody knows that well, I, I can guess there was no grain-free thing going on two years ago right and the truth of the matter is that i did cheat a little bit this weekend I did cheat, but I didn't cheat. And I didn't cheat because the last thing I want to do when I'm going up to have a nice weekend is be sick all weekend. Like my stomach be upset. But there were three specific situations that I just couldn't turn down. One of those was I ate a few corn chips dipped in my cheese at Herbert's. This is a hard one at Herbert's because the tortillas and the chips and queso are really all you go there for. Mm. I mean, all the other food's fine too, but, but I ended up ordering a chalupa queso and a huge guacamole salad. And I left a Mexican food restaurant without eating any tortillas, five corn chips, full, like anyone has ever left a Mexican food restaurant. Like, uh, Too much guacamole. Uh, cheese, I like cheese. And then my friend Madi and her husband are both great cooks. They, I actually want them to come on the show. I'm oh, hoping that we could get them mm -hmm. maybe for Friends with Benefits at some point. Maddie's husband, Tim, is actually the singer of a local, a well-known yeah. local band, mm -hmm. the Scarecrow People. Um, so I would love to have them come on and do a little something. They actually have a pizza oven in their backyard. So Maddie, and Maddie is known for making bad A cupcakes, cakes, the icing that goes on top. So apparently Maddie had asked Jessica what kind of cake I liked. Because Maddie was oh, going to specifically nice. make a cake for my birthday. It has become part of the tradition that there's going to be something that... No we wonder you like this weekend We kind of so made it for Aislinn. We made it for everybody. Sure. But Aislinn, here's your birthday cake. We're going to sing you happy birthday. Maddie made, using her Myers lemons from her tree in her oh, backyard... I like it already. A lemon uh, bunt cake. Hmm. 
with a white chocolate raspberry cream cheese icing on top. Was it as good as it sounds? Oh my God. Uh. Oh my God. She is a genius. She is an artist. She is amazing at cooking the baked stuff that she makes. So Monty comes in with the cake and she's like, I asked Jessica, but she didn't tell me that you weren't eating grain. And I was like, Monty, I am certain that you and all of your fairies made that the best cake. And there's no chance in hell that I'm not going to eat that cake. And Mm -hmm. there's no chance in hell that that cake's going to hurt me in any way, shape or form. When love comes your way. That's right. You take a bite of it. Because honestly, I believe outside of some very specific cases where people are like deathly allergic to something, put some love on it, man, and just pass it over to your friend. And the likelihood of them just intaking it and not having any issues with it is very likely. I was not sick even slightly. I ate three times, three different times, (laughs) tiny little slices with mostly icing on them. You don't like to eat industrial meat. Yeah. We are invited to a friend's home. Meatloaf. Yep. I know you well enough to know. My salad's just going to be a little extra big and my piece is going to be a little extra small. But but you're going to accept the love that that meal was created in. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a great notion as an ambassador of freaky food rules Mm -hmm. to have that level of leniency. Yeah. The grain thing has become less of a diet choice with me and more of a, it does make me feel sick. But at the same time, it also doesn't make me like deathly sick. And so therefore, I'm just going to like put some love on it and move on. I did the same thing with a couple of cookies because Sunny made some delicious cookies that she makes every time she comes up. And Carmen made some delicious shortbread, rosemary, lavender cookies. I just had one. They were delicious. They were so good. And I enjoyed that very much. But that wasn't it. Mari also made broccoli cheese soup mm. that I would like you to recreate for me. Okay. And when she got to talking about this amazing broccoli cheese soup that there wasn't a drop of it left mm. and everyone was like, I ate three bowls. I, I hope I didn't eat more than my fair share. Uh-huh. And, and Mari was like, I made enough for everyone to eat three bowls. <laughs> she specifically, we were talking about it and she was like, there are specific rules. And it was funny because it sounded like you, like when you're talking about the way you make things. And that's the thing about really good cooks, like the order of events and the way I do things and da, 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 da. And she said two things that are very specific. The first one is when you're making your cheese sauce that you have to grate yeah. your cheese. Right. And then I, you mentioned something last recently. night yeah. about that. Uh, yeah, I made queso last night mm-hmm. and I explained to you, I think this is probably where you're going, that because of that conversation we had just a few episodes ago about the ingredients in a bag of pre-grated cheese at the grocery store, it's an anticoagulating. Yeah. So this queso recipe said, do not use grated cheese. The anticoagulant will fly in the face of what you're trying to do to make a nice silky queso. Well, as soon as you said that last night, I was like, that's why Madi doesn't... Right. Because that it makes the cheese sauce for her cheese soup. Which is reason 723 why I love this podcast, because those innocent little trails we go down uh-huh. in our unanswered questions often. Yeah. What is that stuff that's in the real food that I'd rather be eating otherwise? And Can, why would I care even beyond just health exactly. concerns? Exactly. How like, would it affect the it cooking it... Mm-hmm. profiles of that product? Mm-hmm. And then the second thing she said was, put your vegetables in last. And she had put in like whole chunks of broccoli and carrot and onion. So she had just chopped up the vegetables and threw them into the cheese sauce and then cooked them down in the cheese sauce. 
dude. Yeah, I can imagine it's going to infuse the flavor into those vegetables. Good grief. It was good. It was so good. Okay, I don't know Mari as well as you do. I have met her a couple of times. Is she one of those people that's going to hold close a recipe that she loves because she doesn't want people to know all of the secrets? Or can you ask her for this thing? I'm going to ask her for the recipe and we'll Please. give it a try and we'll Let's talk about it, it on. Broccoli I might, I might have a hard time convincing them to be on the podcast, but I think she'll share the recipe with We're me. We're not going anywhere anytime soon. <laughs> Come in a few months when everything seems to be a little more fun. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I did buy... A beautiful, what would you call that blanket? A Navajo rug is what I no, call No, yes, but it's, they're, they're saddle blankets. Okay. So what you would put under your saddle on uh-huh. your horse. Right. This is a big one though. And it's got rainbow colors in it. Ah, oh, it's so gorgeous. And I'm not quick to buy new things, especially in a secondhand atmosphere. Right. This thing wanted me. Spoke to you. It wanted me. Wanted to go home with you. (laughs) It did. (laughs) It's currently living on our couch and it is gorgeous. It is beautiful. You know that the biggest family news that we've shared recently was the acquisition of our new dog, Kaishen. Yeah, he's laying right there in his little pet. It's and so I cute. talked about your evil scheme to imprint him to you so that it could be a constant ego boost of this creature that desires you and only you in the home. But also the idea that when you're, say, taking a bath and don't want him in the tub with you, which is where <laughs> he would be if he had his choice, you want him out here. And it was kind of difficult before you left because he would just kind of sit over by the closest shut door to you and whine. I forgot that there was a time in my life where I could never go to the bathroom by myself. We're back. We're back. (laughs) So I had the dog from Thursday to Monday alone. Day one, a lot of whining. Day two, a little bit less whining. Day three and four. He's like, I guess she left. She's never coming back. He and I wanted to go on an incredible journey together across the country. I mean, dog and man, you know, together. (laughs) We were best friends. And I was curious. I told you, it's been a great weekend for me and the dog. The dog yeah. loves me just now as much as he loves you. You know how you put him in this crate at night? He's sleeping in the bed with me. I don't give a shit. Bad man. What it is. <laughs> I was curious how he would react when you returned. Would it go back to exactly the way that it was? And with you back now one, two, three nights, it's a bit of a hybrid, but we are moving back in that direction. I'm going to need you to go out of town again soon. He's getting braver, though, so he definitely goes off on his own. And yesterday when we were out at the farm... He got so tired because he was chasing. I had him down. He didn't have a leash on. He was just running behind me. He got so tired that he would like lay on the ground and he would like look up at me. Try to take a nap. And he would try. And then I would get so far away where he couldn't see. He would be like this. He would be like looking, 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 looking. Ah, crap. I can't see her anymore. So then he would get up and he would run as fast as he could to me. (laughs) But he would like keep, as long as he could see me, he was okay with it. So I did get home on Monday evening. And then it was super quick to jump up on Tuesday morning, go out to the farm, spend a bunch of time working because I had just been gone for five days, getting all of this stuff harvested and then getting right back to the house, putting it all together and then hitting up a community garden pop-up sale, planting demonstration, just kind of a community event that I was invited to be a part of. I set up a little table and I sold some of my produce and I have some of my plants. I did a gardening demonstration and all of that. But one of the things that I've been doing is I've been taking a lot of this produce and after a day or two of it not selling fresh, then I prep it in other ways. So slice up the radishes with some olive oil and some seasoning and cook them in the oven. And that makes some little chips, radish chips, kale chips. 
I have been making kale chips and I've been making kale chips for years. I've been buying kale chips for years. It's just something that I like to eat. So I've been making a lot of kale chips these days and I actually have sold some of those last night as well. Awesome. So it's me putting together some of these boutique prepped foods with the vegetables that I'm growing. It's kind of fun. How do you do your kale chips? Because they're really good. Okay. I take my kale leaves. I wash them really, really good. Mm. I usually wash them in a bowl of ice water so that it crisps them up really nicely. Then I spin them in a salad spinner to get them as dry as I possibly can. And then I toss them in a bowl with the best olive oil that I can come up with, some red pepper, mine this time, the cracked red pepper, and some salt of some kind. I believe that I used my pizza salt again mm -hmm. on this one. I just toss it and I toss it to where the stuff starts to get a little bit soft. Like almost you talked about like massaging the kale. Yeah. I don't really massage the kale exactly, but I definitely stir it in a way. Well, no, it would be antithetical to what you're trying to do because you, you want that end result to be a crispy chip. A little bit. So if you massaged it, it might over smush it. Well, it does. But I think what ends up happening is it makes it almost leathery, which is really nice. Okay. So it's not like so crumbly that it just falls apart. Sure. The lady that bought some yesterday, she said that was the thing that made a difference to her was that they're not so crumbly that yeah. they, well, and I'm using flat leafed kale. Okay. A lot of people that make kale chips use a curly leafed kale, yeah. which is a thicker kale right. and it's a little bit like meatier for the chip. This is one of my favorite chips is this flat leafed kale. It's so nice and it makes such good chips. And I think I did it at like... I don't know, 200 degrees for like 12 to 15 minutes and then kind of watch it. And our oven's so weird that I never want to give anybody any advice on how ah. to do it, how we do it, mm -hmm. because our oven is not. I wonder if the listeners are frustrated with that sometimes because I, I catch myself when yeah. I, when I re-listen to an episode. Well, how did you make it? Threw some crap in there and, you know, stir it the way that I do and the heat that I kind of do. Here's a recipe that I found online. Use it as a guide, I suppose. Yeah, it's like, there's not exactly a lot of hard, hard help. Well, I think that what people probably appreciate is the idea that like, oh, if I don't buy grated cheese to make my queso with, my queso will stay better melty cheesy. Okay, I'll try that next time. You know, I yeah. think those pieces of advice are the stuff that really help people. And Good the point, idea. And there's always a fountain. Ideas. There's always a fountain of information on dinner table talks. Good point. Good always, point. always. It's now time for a very fun part of dinner table talks. It's time for table topics. <laughs> what? I like your little sound effect. Table topics. Okay. What's the best Halloween costume you've seen oh ever seen oh the best halloween costume you've ever seen the best halloween costume i ever put together which i was eager to to remind you of is the bob ross costume that was a good with one. the easel attached to my belt that carried a painting around all night that i literally painted from the beginning of the halloween party we attended to the ending and then handed to the host I don't know how to answer this question, though. The best Halloween costume I've ever seen. We're, we're not like, I mean, we love to dress up and we love costumes, but we're not like. We don't do. We're not like cosplay. Cosplay. Nut. Like yeah. we don't hang around with people that do the best costumes. The costume we decide to put together will eventually be probably better than average, but yeah. we don't go nuts trying to outdo ourselves every year. And I think it's awesome that there are people out there that do it because I enjoy seeing them. But nothing's leaping to mind. I've got 
a story that isn't applicable at all that I'm going to use the opportunity to tell you right now. And that is one time I went to a bachelor party in Vegas and it was near Halloween time and the party of six to eight of us all rented Elvis costumes. Oh, that's fun. And there were eight fake Elvises walking around (laughs) up and down the strip. And I can tell you one thing, we made the trip not only for ourselves with that adventure. And if you ever go to Vegas with a big group and we're allowed to do that again, do this. But we made the trip for everyone that saw us because that's exactly what I expected to see in Vegas was a parade army of eight to ten Elvis impersonators, you know, in the Hard Rock Hotel or whatever it was. That's funny. That was... Did you have hair back then? Well, we all had Elvis wigs, but the answer to your question was it was going and I hadn't admitted it yet. (laughs) That's where I was in my hair journey. (laughs) Episode eight of season one, The Treaty on Baldness, which you should go back and listen to. (laughs) Me, let me think. My favorite costume probably that I did, honestly, was recently when I did the, um, I don't know, like Garden Witch. That one where I had a headdress and a cane. It was really good. That one was a badass costume. I really liked that one. And my friend, Lori, who's an amazing artist, she helped me make this really beautiful cane and headdress that actually still is a decor piece in our house. (laughs) Well, one of the costumes that I can remember that was really good was one year I went to a, like a Dia de los Muertos. It was before Dia de los Muertos Festival became a big deal in Corpus Christi back when we were just trying to put together these like smaller events that we'd hope would lead to bigger festival, which... Now we got one of the best in the country. I feel that it did. I feel that it helped that momentum and I'm Do you still feel the same way that we have talked about before? And that's our favorite annual local festival is Dia de los Muertos? Yeah. Okay. Anytime anything is visually appealing, it's going to get my attention. So the Pride Parade... I love that one, too, <laughs> because it's visually appealing. Sure. It's fun. It's colorful. It's exciting. It's nowhere near it's... Halloween, but it feels like a parade yeah. of Halloween costumes. Costumes and dress up and bright colors and all the same thing. Well, Dia de los Muertos is the same for me on that one. So there were two costumes on this one particular year that both were memorable. One of them was a guy that dressed up like Tom Cruise's character in Vampire... Lestat. Lestat. And he was good at it because he had the hair already and he had the good, nice leather pants with a good belt and the right shirt with the ruffles. And he had the eyes, the freaky, he had this freaky Contact eyes. Contact lenses, yeah. Yeah. He was a good one. That was, I, I oh, remember. Oh, were you saying that your friend had freaky eyes? I didn't. Mean... No, he didn't have freaky no. eyes. I don't even remember who it was, if that tells you anything about how many nights I've slept since then. The other costume was a woman and this was perfect for her. And I think she ended up winning awards. She was a tube of Preparation H. <laughs> okay. And it was f***ing hilarious. Yeah. She had a chef's hat on her head that they had like crafted to look like the top of a bottle. Her costume was a tube. And it had it, it was actually rolled up at the back, you know. And then it had the H on the front of it or whatever they, the, the branding is on Preparation H. That was pretty funny. I thought that was a good costume. And it fit her personality well because she's not the kind of girl that's going to show up in like the the slutty rainbow bright costume. <laughs> and also like, like the idea that your Lestat guy had the good leather pants and mm-hmm. not the $25 Lestat costume that you buy the at fake Spirit. Costume. That's yeah. like a mm-hmm. the grown-up version of my costumes when I was a little kid, which was that horrible plastic mask with the little rubber band around the back, a tiny little hole to Uh breathe in, and then a plastic smock that said, probably printed, 
I'm Pete's dragon, which was one of my costumes, by the way, in elementary school. I have a picture of me when I was little. I was probably five years old and I was Bugs Bunny. And I had a good costume, and then but then it had that plastic face thing. And the part that I remember the most about that, I think it was my cousins too. Their costumes were the literal plastic face, like you're talking about. Right. And then the schmock, the yeah. plastic schmock. Yeah. Lucy from the um, peanuts. peanuts. Yes. I remember that. My costume was actually a pretty good costume. I still had like, you know, kind of a plasticky type face and whatever. But I was, I was Bugs Bunny. That's so cute. My mom did a good job. My mom always had me, you know, good, fun costumes, whatever I wanted. And then then there was this one year. My mom will appreciate this story. It was about seventh or eighth grade. Might have actually even been sixth grade. I had just moved back to Portland and I wasn't that cool. I didn't have that many friends, but I was trying really hard. Yeah, and I had smacking them in the driveway. <laughs> that was after that. I was mm. all, y'all been trying to, y'all been threatening to kick my ass. And so now it's about time for that to happen. No, but um, there was one of the neighbors, the popular kids, they were going to have a pumpkin ride or a hayride or whatever. And so I went dressed as a panda bear and my mom had helped me make a costume with like the white trash bag around the center of me and then black underneath and then painted on. And I showed up at the party and they either weren't dressed or they were dressed in like super cool, like sexy girl, teenagery type costumes. Sexy nurse or whatever. Uh, I think it was like a clown, but it was like a cool, sexy like, clown. Is that a thing? Se- it wasn't like sexy, but those, like a, those two words don't go. Together. We were in like sixth and seventh grade, sure. so it wasn't sexy. Sexy uh-huh. wasn't the right word. Don't get all obsessed with sexy in sixth and seventh graders. No, I just like that whole Halloween subgenre of costumes, mostly for adults that are the sexy. Right. Secretary. Rainbow bright. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the one I always think of. But they were so mean to me in my panda bear costume. No wonder you had so much rage against the yeah. girls in your school where you were kicking yeah. so much out. Yeah, trauma, trauma. Those girls were mean. Asa, no matter what, you will always be my sexy clown. <laughs> when love comes your way, that's right. You take a bite. Well, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Dinner Table Talks. We will be back next Monday with a fresh episode. In the meantime, hit us up on social media, send us an email, DM us, whatever. We want to hear from you. And we hope that you're enjoying the episodes as much as we enjoy creating them for you. <laughs>